Friends, would you open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 36, Jeremiah 36. If our kindergartners and first graders didn't get dismissed yet, you guys can go to your class at this time. Uh, but we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 36. I'm going to, we're going to talk about the entire chapter, but I'm just going to read a few selections from this chapter. Beginning in verse 1. In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel and Judah and all the nations from the day I spoke to you from the days of Josiah until today. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them so that everyone may turn from his evil way and that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. And Jeremiah called Baruch the son of Nereah, and Baruch wrote on a scroll of the dictation of Jeremiah all the words of the Lord that he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah ordered Baruch, saying, I am banned from going to the house of the Lord, so you are to go. And on a day of fasting and the hearing of all the people of the Lord's house, you shall read the words of the Lord from the scroll that you have written at my dictation. You shall read them also in the hearing of all the men of Judah who come out of their cities." It may be that their plea for mercy will come up before the Lord and that everyone will turn from his evil way for great is the anger and wrath that the Lord has pronounced against this people. And Baruch, the son of Nereah, did all all that Jeremiah the prophet ordered him about reading from the scroll the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Those words are heard by officials. It causes quite a stir and the officials then bring the scroll to the king, which we pick up on in verse 20. So they went into the court of the king, having put the scroll in the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and they reported all the words to the king. Then the king sent Jehudi to get the scroll, and he took it from the chamber of Elishama, the secretary, and Jehudi read it to the king and all the officials who stood beside the king. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter house, and there was a fire burning in the fire pot before him. As Jehudi read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the pot. And neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Verse 32, then Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Nerea, who wrote all the dictation of Jeremiah, all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire, and many similar words were added to them. Let's pray together. Father, it's amazing that you speak that you spoke in Jeremiah's day, that you speak in our day, that you offer for all who have ears to let them hear. And so, Lord, my prayer today is for us sitting here today that we would have ears to hear, that we would have eyes to see, that we would have hearts to receive the words that you speak to us today and every day because of your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, this is one of the more dramatic stories in the book of Jeremiah. Remember, we said from the beginning that this book is not written in chronological order, and so this can confuse us, but just a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting with Jeremiah in jail in Jerusalem. It was the last king of Jerusalem, Zedekiah, and they were about to be overrun by the Babylonians, 
But now here we are in chapter 36, and we're actually doing a flashback to 20 years before that point. So this is an entirely different king, and this is an entirely different era. God comes to Jeremiah, and he says to him, I want you to write down everything that you've already prophesied in your then two decades of ministry. I want you to put it in a scroll, and I want it to be read before the people. So Jeremiah does that. He has Baruch write down this dictation, all these words, and then they are presented to the people in the temple, and it causes quite a stir among the officials. The officials are shocked by this. They take Baruch and the scroll, and they have him read it to more officials. They're surprised by this, and so they actually hide Baruch and Jeremiah, and they take the scroll to the king and read it to him, and you saw his reaction. He slices it into bits, and he throws the scroll in a fire. Now that's a wild, wild story, but at its heart, it is a very familiar story to all of us, because at the heart of Jeremiah is a story that has run throughout the entire Bible and runs into our world today. It's the very simple story of God speaking and our responding. God is speaking, and we are called to respond to him. It will never cease to amaze me that the God of the universe condescends to have a conversation with us. The God who made everything, the God who stands over everything, he, because he loves us, speaks to us. Is that not amazing? Is that not enthralling to hear about that kind of God? And as God speaks, he speaks again and again about his favorite topic, a theme that runs back through the scriptures and will continue on to the end of time. And that is that he wants us to share in his love and his abundant life By repentance and faith. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. You know, he speaks that word today to unbelievers. If there are those sitting us, of those of us who are sitting here today, and we don't know where we stand with God, we don't know if we have a relationship with God, God speaks to us today, and he speaks this theme of repentance and faith. Turn from your sin. Run from it. It's a rebellion against God. Put it aside. Cast it away. Run towards God because he offers terms of peace in his son Jesus. Repent and believe and you will have abundant life. You will have friendship with God that will last for all eternity. He speaks that word today and he speaks it to those of us who are not yet born again believers. But you know, God also speaks that word today to Christians as well as non-Christians. He says to us, even if we've believed, even if we're born again, even if we have already repented and trusted in Christ and we have been cleansed from our sin, God comes to us today and he speaks this word to us now, repent of your sin. It still entangles you. It still makes you sad. 
It still promises things that it will never deliver to you. I plead with you, repent of that sin and run to me by faith and you will enjoy the abundant life that I promise to you. Friendship with me that lasts both now and forever and ever. Repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe. To a non-Christian, to a Christian, to those in Jeremiah's day, to those in our day, repent and believe, repent and believe. When God visits Jeremiah at the beginning of this chapter and says, I have a message for the people gathering in the temple, it's no surprise to us what that message is going to be. Verse 3. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the disaster that I intend to do to them so that everyone may turn from his evil way and that I may forgive them of their iniquity and their sin. God says, I am eager to do this thing. I'm eager to forgive them and cleanse them if only they would repent and believe. Now here's what's remarkable about God saying this. God has already delivered this message to the people of Judah for the past 23 years. Jeremiah's been in ministry up until this point for 23 years. That's how long Jeremiah has been preaching the message to the people of Judah, repent and believe, repent and believe. In fact, God says to him in chapter 35 verse 15, I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently, saying, turn now every one of you from his evil way and mend your deeds and do not go after other gods to serve them. God has said this again and again and again. He says it persistently. And now it's like he's saying to Jeremiah, you know what? If these people haven't heard this message for the past 23 years, if they haven't heard it in my teaching, if they haven't heard it in my shouting, if they haven't heard it in my prophesying, if they haven't heard when it's delivered to them in signs and riddles and demonstrations, if they haven't heard it through the suffering that has befallen Jerusalem, if they haven't heard it when I have sent prophet after prophet after prophet to persistently tell them to repent and believe. If they haven't gotten it by this point, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell them again. I'm going to start at the beginning, Jeremiah chapter 21, and I'm going to say the whole thing again. Do you see the heart of God in that? I think we're always projecting our own feelings and our own short temper on God. And we kind of expect him to respond to us in the same way that we treat other people. That we're always, we can't help ourselves. We're always projecting that on God. It feels like every evening in my household, when all six of us sit down to dinner, each one of my kids takes a sip of water And then they put their glass on the edge of the table behind their elbows and then they start eating. And someone is going to spill their water during every single mealtime. 
And I feel the rage just coming up inside of me. I think they're doing it to me, right? (laughs) This is getting personal. And I'm about to say, if one more kid spills their water, we're just not drinking water in this house, okay? You're thirsty, go to grandpa's, I don't care. We're not doing this anymore. I project that onto God. I just assume that he's got the short fuse that I have. And fortunately, he's nothing like me. He's not that way, and he doesn't treat us that way. And he tells us again and again in his word, not least in the prophet Jeremiah, I'm nothing like you. I don't treat people the way that you treat people. Romans 2.4 Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? This is God's plan for you. He is going to woo you with kindness. He's going to woo you with tolerance. He's going to woo you with patience. He's going to hold his arms outstretched before us and welcome us to participate in the abundant life in him. That's his strategy for his people. And just as in the days of Jeremiah... God is going to speak this message of repentance and faith to us today in a hundred different ways. God is going to use any means at his disposal to preach this message of good news to us. He's going to use circumstances. He's going to use suffering. He's going to use a friend's rebuke, whether that friend does that well or poorly. He's going to use a spouse. He's going to use kids. He's going to use a nosy neighbor. He might even use our enemies. He's going to speak in sunrises and sunsets, thunderstorms and soft breezes. And if everything else fails, he may even speak to us through a paperback Christian romance novel. He is going to use any means at his disposal to speak The message of repentance and faith. Run from sin, cling to me, and taste the abundant life that your soul was made to long for. But even as he speaks in the world, the word of God, the Bible, it will always be the backbone of what God is speaking to us. Whatever we see in the world, We run to the Bible and we find its interpretation. You sit in front of a sunrise and the love of God feels like it wells up in our hearts. And sin, at least in that moment, it feels tasteless and it feels cumbersome. We run to scripture and we read those very words from God and he uses the world and the word to open up what's deepest inside of our hearts that we long to be satisfied. And he says, I will fill you and I will make you whole. Repent and believe. He's going to win us by kindness. He's going to win us by patience He's going to win us by tolerance. God speaks today to every single person in this room. That's God speaking. God promises to do that. God does do that. 
if we have trouble hearing him, we get in his word and we get with other believers and we get in prayer because God is speaking. But the dance of life is that when God speaks to us, we then need to respond to him. God's word, it goes out like seed that's being sown among different soils. And some of that seed is going to fall on rich soil. It's going to fall on moist hearts that are ready for the word of God to spring up and grow in us. And other words are going to fall on hard, packed, path-like soil. And it's going to sit there until the birds pick it up and carry it away. Now we read this chapter and there are actually two kinds of hard hearts in Jeremiah chapter 36. One of them is very dramatic and the other one is very dull, but both of them are equally deadly. Let's look at these hard hearts that we see here. The first one, the dramatic one, is of course King Jehoiakim's heart. Now, Baruch is being instructed. He's the scribe and God tells Jeremiah, write down these words. And so Baruch is trained in that and he begins to record everything that Jeremiah had spoken up until that point, which from what we can gather from the chronology would have been Jeremiah chapter one to Jeremiah chapter 25. So that's the the material that we're working with that would have made it into that scroll. You've got this enormous papyrus scroll. Baruch is a scribe. He's recording all of these words, 25 chapters, which took a really long time in Jeremiah's day. In fact, we hear that God gives the command, and then it's not until nine months later that Baruch has the scroll finished and ready to bring to the people. So this would have took him a very long time. Baruch brings it to the temple. He reads it, and the officials are shocked by it. They're shocked by these words. And so they bring the, the scribe and the scroll to other officials. They're also shocked by it. And they say the only thing we can do at this point is bring this to the king. The king has to hear these words that are being spoken about him and to him. And so the officials tell Baruch and Jeremiah, y'all need to hide yourselves and get away from here. We're going to do this in your stead. We're going to bring the scroll to the king, which is what they do. It's December. It's very cold. The king is sitting in his winter house in the courtyard and there's a fire in a pot that's burning before him. And they bring this enormous scroll and they set it down and someone begins to unravel it and read the words of Jeremiah chapter 1 through 25 to King Jehoiakim. Now his response is chilling. It would be one thing if he raged. It would be one thing if he fumed. It would be one thing if he kicked over furniture and said, I want you to stop reading these words. I don't want to hear another thing spoken from that scroll. But he doesn't do that at all. He lets the person read column by column, unrolling the scroll. And as he does that, Jehoiakim draws his knife And as three or four columns are read, he slices that part of the scroll and he drops it in the fire. And Jehoiakim listens and rejects every last word in the prophecy. Verse 24 concludes, 
Neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words was afraid, nor did they tear their garments. Friends, a hard heart is a terrifying thing to watch. A hard heart that can hear God's word spoken again and again and again and still put God's patience to the test That is a terrifying thing to watch. God visits Jehoiakim and he says to him, you're going to die and no one is going to bury your body and your sons will not rule on your throne in your stead. That's a terrifying thing to watch. That's a dramatic hard heart. You see that and you recognize that and everybody knows it for what it is because it is so rebellious and so outlandish. We see it and we're horrified by it. But there are actually less dramatic hearts in the story that are much easier for us to miss and that are all the hearts that were milling around in the temple, the citizens of Judah that also heard the same words that King Jehoiakim had heard. Now Jeremiah, he's been banned from the temple. We heard long ago that he tried to preach there. He was almost killed there. He was put in the stocks. He can no longer show up in the temple. He can no longer speak God's word there. And so he sends his scribe to do that in his stead, which would have been just a terrible task for Baruch. I want you to go and I want you to say everything that God told me to say, only it's going to be on your head. So the citizens of Judah, we hear, they were actually gathering at the temple this day for a called day of fasting. They were coming to the temple to fast. And I want you to let the irony of this sink in because they're there, they're fasting there, but their prophet Jeremiah, who speaks for the Lord, is banned from the temple. He's not allowed to be in the presence of these people. That means there was a lot of religious activity at the temple. People were up out of their beds, people dressed their families, people made plans to fast that day, people made travel plans to get to Jerusalem. There is a religious buzz, there's a bunch of religious busyness. If you had been an outsider visiting Jerusalem on this day, you would have been impressed to see the kingdom of Judah gathering on an empty stomach into God's house, the temple. They've got God's space, they've got God's priests, they've got God's vestments and his incense and his altar, they've got the citizens of God's chosen people, they're just missing one thing, they don't have God. And Baruch, like Jeremiah before him, he stands in the temple with this scroll and brings God's word to the people in God's house, but when he reads it, nothing happens. Nothing at all happens. At least when Jeremiah came and preached God's word, the people tried to kill him. That's a terrible response, but at least something is happening in their hearts, right? They're angry, and God is moving in them, even if they're pitting themselves against God's word. But when Baruch reads, nothing happens. The only thing more chilling than a parishioner 
who tries to kill you is a parishioner who ignores you. All of these things are written for our benefit. We stand here today, we look back on a story that happens 2,600 years ago, we see a dramatic hard heart, we see very plain hard hearts, and all of this is written for our benefit. It's as if to say to us today, if you're here, and you have ears to hear, God is speaking to you. He is pleading with you with outstretched arms. If you're an unbeliever who needs to be called to repentance and faith to enter God's house and be a child of his and live with him forever, he's calling on you for that. If you're a believer who is nursing hidden sin in our lives that we do not want to give up, God is calling upon us, hear my words today, repent and believe disentangle yourself from this sin and run to me. My arms are outstretched and I welcome you as a child of mine. If you hear God's word today, listen, repent, and believe. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I know that's true. Repent and believe. I I get that, but I don't want to do it. There are things too close to my heart that rival for your attention, and I want those things too. I want both of them. And you call me today to give up that which I hold dear, to hold on to that which will never disappoint. If I'll run from my sin if I'll find myself in you, if I trust afresh that you are the God who not only saves me for all eternity, but actually satisfies me and makes me happy, I'll find joy in you. Make us a people who repent and believe. We beg in Jesus' name, amen.